0: Welcome to episode 109 of Stage I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre, featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you want to drop me a line, you can find Stage on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at stageworthypodcast.com. If you want to find me directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at philrickaby, and my website is philrickaby.com. My guest this week is playwright, performer, and podcaster, Bill Antoniou. You can catch up with Bill on his website, MyOldAddiction.com, or his two podcasts, Bad Gay Movies, Bitchy Gay Men, and My Criterion's. primarily
1: a playwright or uh i don't know that i'm primarily anything okay yeah all right.
0: well what do you you're you're up you're a slash you you uh what are, your, what, are, what are all of your slashes i mean i,
1: I think of myself as a writer mm-hmm. um i did spend most of my life with the ambition to be an actor mm-hmm. but writing became more prevalent but i do lots of kinds of writing so i write plays but mm-hmm. um i write film reviews as well mm-hmm. and you know for nine years in school I wrote essays and I thought I was pretty good at that. Um, so yeah. Um so yeah, writer always suits me more comfortably, sure. although I haven't made a living at any of the above. Well, so far, i you know, that's I mean Welcome to
0: Canada. That is well, you know, welcome to the arts. Yeah. I mean really that's you you, <laughs> you put in your time and you do what you can. Sure. Um when did your theater Obsession begin? Like, when did that become a thing for you? Do you recall?
1: I don't think of it as... I, I, I don't have one of those great stories where like, my mom took me to West Side Story <laughs> and I woke up to this new world. Um, but I was... I did go to a lot of theater as a kid because it's something my mom always loved and mm. always insisted on us going to. Either she took us or she'd make her best friend take us. And lots of different kinds of theater. So, like, you know, I remember going down to the Young People's whatever iteration was existed when i was a child 50,000 years ago uh but i remember going to odd things like plays in people's houses oh, and okay and some really like they would take us to some pretty out of the way stuff that i that wasn't like inappropriate for children <laughs> but wasn't quite directed at us either okay and i i remember seeing a lot of things that i didn't understand my mom also cuz she's so ambitious would ha- would take us to like when, when Greek theater troops would bring ancient Greek theater through town. So uh-huh. as a I remember as a nine-year-old being taken to see Prometheus Bound. <laughs> okay. And having no clue what was going on. <laughs> and that's like two hours of a man strapped to a rock and it's, I had no idea what true. was going on. It's true. On. You know, so I was exposed to a lot of that stuff and I just enjoyed... There's You know, theater is this really, really fascinating experience where everyone gets into this dark box, basically, and we all agree to make believe. And sure. When you're watching it, there's a magical atmosphere to it. And then, you know, when you're doing it, there's a even more magical atmosphere to it. So it became more of a thing for me once I started performing more often. Mm-hmm more so than watching it as a kid i just wanted to be a movie star
0: well i mean that's where a lot of us start from
1: correct um because i thought indiana jones just showed up and did all these fun things and that was the life if only
0: that was true basically Uh, (laughs) but once i
1: got to be an adult and then i decided to seriously pursue acting Mm -hmm. i started working in theater because when you pursue acting you just end up doing that more yeah and um because you don't get paid and um uh, I just enjoyed it so much that it became more of mm-hmm. my focus. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, where did you grow up?
1: I grew up here. In, I well in Scarborough. Okay. okay. Um, but I'm, I'm a Toronto kid. I suppose sure. it certainly was, we always came into the city for theater all the time. So when
0: your family was, was when you were being taken to see all these shows, you were making the, the big trek from Scarborough downtown. Yeah, And
1: it's, it was so exotic. Like,
0: did you, did you? I only, I
1: came downtown for doctor's appointments or theater. Those are the two <laughs> things that, yeah.
0: Much, much more fun to come for the, the theater. I don't know. I didn't mind the doctor's most... appointments. Oh, yeah, so much. Okay, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, you, you were saying that your mom sort of like went to a lot of theater mm-hmm. on her own. Was that, was that, do you know if that's something that she just grew up with? Or that she didn't she did do that so
1: much on? here because, you know, she came here as a young woman and got married and just the immigrant experience. They mm-hmm. find themselves too busy to do fun stuff. Yeah. So, she did that more back home. So, okay. she's from a small town in the north of Greece, uh, from a very, uh, you know, strict Protestant family. Now,
0: the whole, when the Greek theater companies come Correct. to town, right, that right, right. now that all makes <laughs> yeah.
1: sense. So, she, but she, as a young woman, she moved to the capital city, to Athens, to live with her aunt. Mm-hmm. And her aunt was, like, the cool one in the family. Mm-hmm. the You know, the one who loved to do a lot of fun stuff and sure. loved the theater a lot. Until she died, my great aunt loved going to the theater. So, she took my mom to everything mm. and that was those were the years that my that really awakened my mom i think she probably always loved it but really like indulged that and, mm-hmm. and so it was important to her that we also have you know she was in this new city in this uh, great new city with so many opportunities yeah. for so many things and she wanted to make sure we didn't miss out on any of them
0: when did you start acting yourself
1: um I remember being cast as Papa Bear when in in grade 1. Like I remember like I I you never had to encourage me. I loved performing and okay. I loved attention mm-hmm. a lot. I mean I loved attention a lot. And uh so I've been performing my whole life. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that I was actually doing anything other than trying to get attention and I think it was like when I was 24 or 25 that mm-hmm. I actually started like putting emphasis on actually acting and you know learning going to a workshop or two and learning sure. a technique and doing more than just playing pretend so that people would laugh at my jokes. Sure. Yeah.
0: And that, I mean was that was that like did you do shows in high school and you feel like that's where so, you were, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I did the all, I did all the school plays. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote I wrote a play in high school but I don't remember I don't remember what I did. I just know that I did.
0: Do you remember anything about it? Do you remember what it was? It was about? some
1: or kind of farce called? set on a desert island. Okay. Um, I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> so if anyone thought it wasn't good, maybe it wasn't. No. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and when you were in your early 20s and you started, uh, uh, like, really starting to think about acting, uh, were you, did you go to theater school? Did you... I did. Secondary? I did York
1: University for a year okay. after mm-hmm. high school. hmm and dropped out after a year, Um, and I don't know why. I was just a really – I think maybe – I was always a good student because I always liked school, and I think high school was a bit too easy for me, Mm -hmm. and not because I was super smart. I think my mind just worked in the way that it needed to for getting through high school. Uh And then I got to university, and everything was really hard. And being immature and not very disciplined, I – balked at the idea that it should be so difficult
0: were you in the theater stream theory? i was oh, yeah. in the theater program yeah. yeah it was a good
1: program yeah. i can't say anything about the program at all and everyone was perfectly nice enough and mm. i actually still i have friends still that i made in that year that i still know and hang out with um so i had a good time but i remember being at school every day and it felt like i was in a place where everyone was speaking a different language from mm. me or something like it just felt so odd and um my instinct to my instinct to Towards things that were difficult back then was to run away from them, so that's what I did. And I just, I mean, I draw by dropping out. I mean, I just stopped going to classes one day. Mm-hmm. You, know? you
0: know, it's it's funny the way that that we in our, you know, when we're in our twenties, we're still we're still kids. We don't not even I was we eighteen. Don't, we yeah. don't we don't acknowledge that yeah. when we're yeah that you know I'm an yeah, adult yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do Absolutely. what I want yeah but I mean really we're kids and so we react in in childish ways yeah and. Um one of the ways is to run away.
1: Absolutely. Things. Yeah, and I mean I have I have really good parents who are you know they were just I guess really worried for me or something cuz it's the sort of thing my, my mom especially would never let me run away from. And so I don't know why they did. And I don't hold them ag- hold you, it against did, them for doing did, that.
0: Like, did you tell them that you weren't going? Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. Okay. And they were
1: very upset. My mom called me illiterate for many years <laughs> until I went back to, you know, uh, getting a university education was very important to our right. parents. So, uh, you know, and my sister had done really, really well. She's a high school teacher and she has like three degrees. So, right. You know, she, and she um, she's done very well. While as uh, in my case, I... Uh, Took a few years of just, um, you know, working jobs and reading and watching movies, because movies are my main thing, and hanging out with my friends. And then there was just a moment where I woke up and I was like, no, I have to actually do something, you know? So I, that's when I, you know, I looked for an agent and I got one and I started working and I started working in theater and then... A couple of years after that, I realized I really did miss school and I really did want a university degree. So I went back, but I did an English degree, okay. uh, not a theater degree, which ended up informing my theater writing as well as acting
0: What, as well. what was the, like when you, like you were going just for like a general English? Uh, for an English specialist.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's an undergrad, so you don't focus on anything, but most of my coursework was, uh, I mean, my personal fascination was with Victorian literature. So okay. had I... If I do pursue postgraduate work, that would be where I would, you know, focus my attention. What is an
0: English specialist?
1: It just means that I take, um, it it has to do with how you weight the number of courses you take for your degree, like how many English courses versus, I know it's, it it sounds way better than it actually is. Well,
0: I mean, it's that, it's that question of like, you know, so you're a specialist in English. Yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, it
1: just mean? means I spend most of my academic career on English courses okay. and, and only uh, so, I like some of it on other mm-hmm. pursuits. Okay. Um, and then it was around that. It was, I don't know, going back to school awakened this desire in me to, I guess, work really hard because I really enjoyed. I mean, I was working the entire time. So I did it part time mm-hmm. and I was working it during the day and going to school at night. And then all of a sudden, uh, theater work started happening, happening a lot more mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm working at, In either amateur or what you call semi-professional in this town, which is, you know, it's on the level of community theater, but it's south of Bloor, so you you, you feel it's like... It's way more glamorous. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I did, I, and still do a lot of community we, we theater call as it, we well. Call it,
0: we call that, the what they used to call semi-professional, we mostly just call indie now.
1: Sure, yeah. That's what, I mean, that's how I refer to my plays. Sure. Um, and I found myself getting a lot of work doing those because I'm an adult male and those are hard to come by when you're not paying, mm-hmm. as I've learned from casting my plays as mm-hmm. well. So, um And so I, I was doing. At one point, I think I was averaging about six or seven shows a year.
0: Right.
1: So every night after work, I was either going to a rehearsal or going to class and getting very little sleep, and was really happy the Mm -hmm. entire time. So I've learned since then to stay busy.
0: (laughs) When you were when you went back to school, like like you know how how much time had passed since you left York and Uh,
1: seven years, eight years. Was
0: there? Were you? cuz you know you're like now in your late 20s when you're going back to school. Yeah, I was going to say I'm not not now. No 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 <laughs> no not no. now. But wait, but like when you if were going only. back to school. Yeah. Uh, was yeah, that was it
1: that was, Um in terms of the age difference with the, yeah. the kids? Yeah. Yeah. Um considering I mean I did it over a period of 9 years oh, right. and it <laughs> the age difference was felt a lot more towards the end than towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't remember feeling super out of place. I was so um excited slash nervous you know mm-hmm. like i was really excited to be back in school and i was really excited about my courses um at the same time uh i was so terrified of being back because i didn't know can i can i do this right. you know i yeah, yeah, yeah. i did so poorly the first time around uft didn't let me in when i first applied because i'd done so poorly the first time around i had to really right. um, beat down their door and make sure mm-hmm. they understood that you know people should not be punished for a choice they made at eighteen and mm, that mm. people can change. So um I was really I remember my very first day pacing uh around Robarts Library for a long time before having the guts to go in to class. Uh and my very first class was the history of Russia. And uh just being just being really scared. So I it it didn't really register to me that I was an adult, mm. you know, I felt, I don't know, I still, I still felt young at 27. That changed mm. <laughs> after mm. about nine years. But I don't know, I always, no, especially um, many of the years I was doing night courses and night courses are a really healthy blend of mm-hmm. all different kinds of people sure. doing classes so it, it wasn't as weird as if if, if i had been doing if you've been full-time would yeah, have
0: been, yeah yeah um when did your mom stop calling you illiterate
1: the minute i applied to school <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and the minute i got in <coughs> and she was very happy my Mother's, mom respects yeah. effort uh-huh, she doesn't yeah. need you to you know prove anything she doesn't okay. even like even acting was something that she didn't take seriously until I took it seriously and pursued mm, okay. it. And so the fact that I haven't become a movie star yet doesn't bother her at all.
0: When you were, I mean, initially when you were going to go to university, you, you you would decide you were going to go and, and be an actor. Right. And so you went, went off to university. Was that anything that, that your mother was concerned about? Um, Only on, in
1: that any parent of a child who announces they want to get into the arts because mm-hmm. you know, your parents just want you to make a living and sure. they want to make sure you're going to be okay after they die.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I'm like, well then put money in the bank for me to take from you when you <laughs> die, you know, and leave the rest to, you know, yeah. I, 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 neither of my parents gave me too much grief about it other than the usual, like it's not a very stable life pep yeah. talk and find something stable. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. And I've, I've been working a regular job for a long time now. So, it's not. It's not really for most of their concerns. Okay. By the way, I love that this whole thing is about my mom. She's gonna be thrilled, even though she'll, she'll never really listen it. to it. But yeah, well,
0: you know, she'll know. You yeah, can tell her. Her friends will most, tell her. We mostly talked about you, mom. She'll <laughs> that's be like, right. oh, Of course, that's how it yeah. should be.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, she doesn't. She she feigns modesty. She's oh, no, no. It shouldn't be about me. No, no. Um,
0: but. But I mean, our parents are, are a huge influence on us, even if yeah. we don't want them. Yeah, to be.
1: for sure. And I like yeah. my parents, so yeah. like I'm, I like the idea of making them uh-huh. happy, or at least making them not worry. The thing is, I at some point I also realized my parents worry no matter what we do. Yeah. Like what what my sister or I do, like they just worry. So, uh-huh. you know, there's there's only a certain point that I can uh, put effort in terms of making them uh-huh. happier or, or making I I can't make them not worry.
0: So when you went back to school. Mm -hmm. Um, to study English, to become an English specialist. Um, what was your intent? Like, what did you want to do with that? I didn't know because
1: at that point I just figured it was a good idea to go back to school Mm -hmm. and that I just missed the atmosphere Because I'd spent all this time reading, and I'd been reading a lot of Victorian literature especially, and I just wanted to be in a world where other people were reading it too, and we could talk about it. Because at that point, I had become my own expert, expert, my own uh, specialist in film watching Mm -hmm. and film writing, and I was doing that on my own, and I, I didn't... I didn't find myself needing that atmosphere as much while as, um, literature was a new ground for me. And I mean, I probably should have thought about it practically, um, in terms of what I wanted to do with it or, you know, but I just couldn't think that far ahead. I
0: often, I often find that, that, uh, you know, people will say that's not what university for. Correct. Yeah. University is not for like, what do you want to do with it? University well, that's not just- what
1: university was for back in the no. day, but things change their, you know, their use and their meaning
0: over time. Mm, so Yeah. So. But I still find that people, like, they'll go to university, and then when they leave university, they still don't know. Yeah. University doesn't prepare you to do a job. It prepares you for...
1: Right. It's supposed to be a, and an expansion. I mean, here. there's nothing like a lot of times people talk about how there's just something about doing post-secondary education of any kind, whether it be university or college or whatever, there's a confidence that it gives you. And it is very, very true because I didn't walk into that school a dummy of any kind. And I had a lot of experience reading and writing and expressing my opinion and tackling life. But there's something about the experience of being in school and of it forces you to prove yourself to yourself in a way that nothing else does. Sure. And this is any kind of post-secondary education and the confidence and knowledge base that it gave me is, uh, is something I'm very, very grateful sure. for forever. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, when you're writing for theater, are there particular themes that you're drawn to and are those themes different from when you're doing any other, di- any other kind of writing?
1: Uh, Well, in terms of fiction, I've never really tried any other kind of writing, Mm. so it's either film reviews or plays. Okay, okay. Um, So far, um, I tried. Well, I have tried to tackle the odd short story, but they're just absolutely terrible. Uh, So I I haven't really pursued that too seriously.
0: Writing for theater and writing a like a story Mm -hmm. like those are to me those are two different things.
1: They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just you know I I try to think well you know as a as a writer of fiction i should be flexible you know but i have so far really enjoyed um there's a there's a there's something to the structure of theater like creating scenes creating mm-hmm. the way scenes flow yeah. and creating the way characters interact that i'm really drawn to yeah. and and uh, i particularly enjoy writing dialogue more than anything else sure. and that's what what theater is great for yeah. my my plots are always falter very far behind my dialogue if i do say so myself uh in terms of themes um i I just um you know you don't want to think about your theme too hard when you're writing because then you end up writing something that's very preachy. Yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. And
1: you don't want to say this is a message play. Um but you also try to stick to what you know and so you know I'm a gay man so I write plays about gay men mm-hmm. and I came of age in the late 80s early 90s so anything about gay men was often very very serious because you're usually dealing with the fallout of the AIDS crisis Mm -hmm. yeah which is uh, correct um but to me as a youngster it always seemed a bit drab you know (laughs) seeing play after play of finding out just how funny and brave gay men truly are
0: um and
1: so I always had this like I went into writing plays with this like lighten up feeling you know which (laughs) was more important. To me at the time when I started. Um, So, you know, I mean, my first play was about a group of friends and it was about friendship. It was about the spontaneity that happens between people who have been friends for a long time. Mm. Probably because I've been watching a lot of Sex in the City, but that was what what mattered to me a lot at the time.
0: It's interesting because I I know we all have what, like, instead of themes, maybe the better word is like subject matter that we Mm -hmm. want to. Um in my own writing I have a, ten- a tendency towards um fantastic realism or um the sometimes sometimes history but sometimes like it's this world but there's a little strange twist on it that might be a little fantastic and is there
1: like is there something that you watched when you were young or or even just more recently that like just made such an impression on you because i find that happens too it's like certain it's not even like that it's my favorite movie or my favorite play but just one particular moment of it that really blew my mind
0: i don't even i there isn't a a single thing that i can i can point to that's like the thing i mean i grew up on the narnia books okay so for me like that, the Narnia books, like what the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe starts in like this drab, you know, World War Two bombs are raining on right. London and so the children run out, are sent away to the country. Yeah. And everything is, is boring until the wardrobe. Right. And then it becomes fantastical. Yeah. Um and, and this world of-, of
1: like complete quiet and peace, even though yeah. it's reigned over by this terrible white witch. But yeah. It's not the chaos of London. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's, and maybe that had some effect on my young psyche that that's kind of where my mind goes. Yeah. Um, but I always enjoy like just bringing also, you know, I'm a nerd and I enjoy things that are nerdy. And I don't, I think that theater has had a long period of thinking that it's too important for that kind of thing oh possibly
1: i mean when i wrote my first play and it was a light comedy i did have i eventually produced it myself but mm-hmm. for a while i would submit it to whatever you know the mm-hmm. whatever panels you find out about or fe- festivals or whatever yeah. and i would get a lot of feedback from people saying um this is just not what plays are supposed to be about yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and i said well i'm not going to have everyone deal with deep dark themes just so that you'll find it important and i mean they were the characters were talking about friendship and relationships and yeah. getting through life by holding on to each other. So those are, d- you know, deep themes yeah, anyway. Yeah. They're just not being dealt with in this very, you know... I mean, I, I, I may be reading too much into the no, responses I mean, that I was getting, but I, I, I do I, I did get that from time to time, and that was not feedback that I accepted in any way.
0: There are certain genres that theatre has not done. Like, you know, when we look at, at plays generally, they're often they lack the fantastical. They right. are very much like, Oh, family comes to term with the horrors of their past or whatever, right. well, but we do it in our living room, yeah. you know, cause everybody plays a living room scene, and all these. Well,
1: that people, might also you know, be, I mean, Lucy Maud Montgomery always said that Canadians, we don't have very, very dramatic lives. So we have a tendency to overdo what we put into our narratives.
0: It's, it's true. Yeah. And yet, and yet, you know, I mean, how many stories it's like, how many stories of a, you know, a, coming of age story of life in the prairies or life in the maritimes right. or whatever and like all these things yeah and in terms of like,
1: and I know that a lot of us do have dramatic lives course, in this country yeah, yeah. too before but anyone I mean, writes and, and decides to illuminate sure.
0: me on how hard everyone has it but I mean in terms of like the the genre stuff like Right, we theater in general doesn't do well with with sci fi, doesn't do well with with fantasy, and and horror. Well,
1: we're always scrambling to try time. to figure out what will sell, right? And well, that's a really really hard thing to figure out. Yeah, in Canadian theater in particular, I I know that there's a, there's generally a really hard time trying to figure out what it is that will work with mass audiences, which is not I mean that's not something that I'm too concerned with because I produce my plays independently and I just yeah. worry about selling three weeks. But, I don't even know, if, you know. Th-
0: if our theaters are thinking about. What will what will have a broad appeal? Because well, I mean, they always want to make a profit,
1: and they rarely do. That's the
0: thing, right? And so so maybe if that's not the important thing, then then they're thinking about something else. But they're also thinking about producibility, right? Keeping the costs down because they know the audience is smaller.
1: Yeah, and then also just like, can you even just pull this play off? Like, do you have the resources to pull it off? Um, Yeah.
0: But I fucking love ambitious because in the theater you're so limited, right? by just the constraints of the room. Right. Like, to be so ambitious as to try something huge, but know that you have to do it in a small way. Right. So you have to be really clever, because you don't have special effects. So how do you do it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I you mean, know? I, I'm i not ambitious. I'm really lazy, actually. So <laughs> I, I, I write my plays in the most simplest. I mean, I just make sure everything takes place. And I just try to think about, oh, God, I have to find this furniture. So, like, oh. how do I not have furniture on stage?
0: Well, I mean, that that's... the, the One of the, the, the last plays that i produced of my own was like i set it in like the suite of a hotel right and it was like okay so it's a tiny stage how do i create a suite in a hotel right when i don't have any money for decorating and i certainly can't get furniture yeah so it was like just you call rosemary
1: oh. yeah rosemary takes care of everything
0: well yeah. you know I, I we had to provide a few things yeah in in, in the red sand castle you just like do your best with what you with what you pull in, and and. Well, I mean, when I when my last play, she
1: was the lead in, mm. and she's like, "Do you want me to do the set?" And I said, "Yes,
0: <laughs> like I just
1: just do it." I'm not even gonna, you know, because I know she'd do a great job, yeah. and, and like I knew that it would also be part of her performance to like uh-huh. be to create the space around her, and she did a fantastic job. And actually, with my last two plays, I purposely. I don't know about purposely. I had a ch- I set myself the challenge, like, can I create something dramatically interesting where I don't leave one setting mm. throughout the entire play? And my last two were both one-act plays. In both cases, all took place in the one yeah. situation. And, um, you know, in terms of Heart of the Storm, my second one, Rosemary, definitely... I mean, Rosemary solved a lot of my problems in that mm. play, and the set was one of them.
0: I mean, that's always the question, mm-hmm. is, like, how do you... Like, what do you do with scenes? Like, what do you do with like locations? Well,
1: know? yeah, and that, I feel that that's something I think about more and more because you know you, you you go see newer new original plays by newer artists, and we all of us watch way more television and film than we watch plays, mm-hmm. and a lot of us have a tendency to write in that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I notice especially when I go to the New Ideas Festival and I see a lot of things where like scenes change and turn in very quick succession, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I have a I have. A tendency to be drawn towards that, and so it's a challenge. I also set myself is mm. to make sure that every scene is like a a complete scene, yeah, in which uh, I work something out, and that I'm not just flitting back and forth between situations because it's.
0: Yeah, I mean, I often see, especially with like newer playwrights who are more used to film or TV, mm-hmm. um, how short their scenes are, mm-hmm. and. You know, especially I see it in like readings and things, and I'll be like, you gotta make the scene longer.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know? and there are some people who are really talented and they can make it work, yeah. and they can stage it to make it work. And I'm not sure. saying it's it's wrong, no. But uh, I feel that it is a, it is certainly a trend yes. that things yeah. are going towards.
0: But it's also it's also it's hard to stage. Yeah. Like as soon as you start thinking, well, what are the logistics of this right. scene change? Yeah, but you have that
1: mad genius director who always comes along and finds a way to like light everything and have everything take place all at once on stage. Well, you hope I'm, you do. I'm very. I'm not nearly that imagined which is why i i'm glad i tried directing my own plays but i won't do it again because other people are better at it i I I
0: usually i usually i used to do that i used to be like oh some director will come along who can figure it out and then i was like why am i doing that to them i start to be like how can i how can i like i don't describe scenes okay you know i'll be like i might be like it's a bedroom and this sort of thing i'll let somebody else worry about how that looks I try to be as vague as possible about the setting as much as possible because it's not my job to design. I'm not Tennessee Williams. I don't need to write all that exposition about what books are on the shelf. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I try to leave that to the people who, who do that and can make it work in like if, if we have multiple scenes, like how do we do that? But I remember after I did, like, you know, I had a, a a play that was, like, a big set. You know, this this one that was set in the suite in the hotel. The next play I wrote was set in a theater. Okay. Mostly on the stage in the theater. Right. So, they could be like, no, nothing really necessary here. <laughs> we can be in this space, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been lucky. I've always found people mm. that I really trust. So, um, my directors have done me proud. That's on good. On all the,
0: That's
1: good. the scripts that I've written. And mm. then... And then I directed two two of them, and um, I, I I enjoyed trying it out, but I, it's not something I was really anxious to
0: stick with. What was it about, like? Was directing your own work something you had wanted to do? Or was it
1: just? Out of- it's something I wanted to try. It yeah. did not. It was not born out of any dissatisfaction I felt over what people had previously done. But I just thought, I wonder if I will, fi- if I will have a more direct route to getting what I envisioned on stage. Mm-hmm. If that's me directing it, sure. it also means um, not having to find someone uh, mm-hmm. because hiring yeah. people is hard. Yeah, and the more you can do yourself, the better. Um In And the first of two times I did it, I was also in the play, which it was just so hard because I wanted to watch it and I couldn't. And it was really pissing me off. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I had a really, really amazing stage manager, uh, Liz Lewine, who was basically assistant director. And so that helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I did Heart of the Storm, I wasn't in that one. So I got to truly direct it, you know, from the outside. And I enjoyed doing it, but... um, I did, I did meet, a, an actor who is like a total pro and Dora award winner and what have you. And, uh, I asked her advice about it and she said, you know, I'm sure you're great, but, uh, I suggest, especially when it comes to doing originals have someone else direct, mm. uh, direct it because there's just there's a great benefit to having the added imagination and point of view of yeah. someone else and so uh i i realized she was right and i felt relieved i was like good because i don't want to mm. do that again like i i i like being in my plays i like yeah. writing them but i don't you know especially because because they're minor indie plays yeah. uh, uh i am also the one sending emails to actors and hiring people and sourcing furniture and it's fine. I love doing all that. I'm not complaining but if there's one less thing I can do then that's great.
0: It's a lot to do. Like if you're producing and directing and acting in a thing it's a lot.
1: It's a lot but it also it's my focus. As soon as I go into production it becomes like my only thing other than going to my day job. So it's not um, I haven't lost sleep over this sort of Mm. thing in a very very long time. I've learned to manage it to that healthy level of stress where you are anxious enough to make sure to do a good job but not yeah. uh losing your mind over it so so then you know for my subsequent production um which unfortunately had to be uh, we had to pull the plug on but we did go into production before we did um i had hired uh, liz best as my director and i just never had that good a synergy with uh, a director before mm-hmm. you know so hopefully i will get a chance to work with her again and yeah. I, and that advice ended up coming uh very much true
0: it's it's interesting the 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 one of the things that I found directing my own play um, was that people would come to me with questions that they as the director that they probably wouldn't come to me with if I wasn't also the playwright.
1: Oh interesting
0: um, because if I wasn't the playwright they'd make their own decision right. But as the playwright and also the director, people would ask
1: questions. I don't remember getting a lot of questions Mm -hmm. on either plays. The first one was a a cast of five men. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't remember people asking me, well, maybe I guess one particular actor had questions. But they were always um, about... uh, Sometimes actors are worried about whether or not they're interpreting the narrative correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times your dialogue is supposed to suggest a kind of backstory or a situation that the characters are in. And Mm -hmm. actors are worried about getting it wrong. Um, uh, my, my personal opinion is that whatever you guess is probably right. But, sure, yeah. you know, so I would answer those questions and then, but we you know, working with Rosemary is great because her, her thing is that like, my job is to make this make sense. Yeah, so yeah, she didn't, yeah. she didn't always have, I don't remember her having a lot of questions. No, she'll she always, make
0: her own. I mean, and, yeah. and a lot of actors, a lot of actors will, it's just sometimes with a new play, especially right. if you're, if it's brand new you're kind of workshopping it. And so, yeah. you know, if you have good actors, they'll be like, ah, here's the thing that we say here, and here's the thing we say right, here. Right, right, right. Is that a mistake, or is there a through line? Well, yeah, I mean,
1: in terms of logical stuff, yeah. I have always have really great actors who are... And I mean, I, I always listen to that stuff, mm. because I'm a, you know, I don't always... I do redraft my plays and I do proofread them, but sometimes you've read it so many times that you just can't see the forest for the trees and you completely miss things that make no sense, including in some cases like writing, in a, char- writing a character to exit twice without entering, sure. you know, like crazy things like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I've, I've always had really good actors uh, suggesting that. And that's actually something that Rosemary is the best at, which is that she will always come to you with the things that don't make sense. And you're like, Oh my God, how did I not realize that? Yeah. And
0: it's what's interesting. Like one of the things, this, that this I,
1: podcast I'm, is all about Rosemary. It's Ros- now. It's yeah. Your mom and yeah, Rosemary and own, are the yeah. two. It's like the yeah.
0: this podcast. Be so one of the things that I, I, I learned relatively recently was the importance of like, all right, so now I've written this and I've gone through it and I've done my second pass on this. I need to know a bunch of things about it. So I'm going to bring some actors together and we're going to read it.
1: Yeah. And, that's a very common process. For and when me. I get, yeah.
0: you get a, some really good actors, they're going to give you like really good feedback.
1: For sure. There's always a table read scheduled mm-hmm. before a final draft is written for me. Mm-hmm. And I've done that with um, all my plays, have all, I mean, none of my plays have ever gone on stage exactly the way they're written, even the final rehearsal mm-hmm. script. But there's always a table read because you just need to hear it. Mm -hmm. there are some there are some things you cannot tell that work or don't work until you've actually heard it yeah and so i've always and i've always told people like don't keep this copy don't keep this draft because when people bring the wrong draft number into the rehearsal and what have you but there's always a new draft after a table read Mm -hmm. because it is extremely beneficial partly just to hear it and then partly also to get people's um feedback and then learning how to take that feedback which is an acquired skill that is that is
0: definitely an acquired skill because there's there's the reaction to certain to feedback, which can be like, but why yeah. b- b- play? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well,
1: I've learned to, I mean, people sometimes, I think they think that I've gone into a coma or something mm. because I force myself to become very still mm-hmm. and to not respond and to make no faces. And I just write quietly. Yeah. I write down everything people say and then I take it home. And then I find something else to do for like three days. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, I go yeah. back and I parse the, cause you know, uh, feedback is um, it's always helpful. Sometimes it's merely a matter of realizing that people were interpreting the story incorrectly from the way you wanted it to be interpreted. Mm-hmm. And that tells you about how you wrote it and, yeah. how, you know, the things you need to make clear. Um, and sometimes it is just logical questions about characters, relationships or inconsistencies yeah. or what have you. But, i'm always open to that stuff but ultimately i decide what is going to be changed and sometimes i do make the decision to take a chance on something even though everyone's told me that they don't think it's going to work so
0: has that ever has that paid off it pays off sometimes and it doesn't other times Uh. yeah um, how much? But how much time do you generally leave between when you finish a draft and when you get some actors to read it, or when you're? Like, it's different
1: every time because yeah. it's a matter of getting getting things together and getting uh. people together, and also all my plays have been worked on different schedules because um, with the best man, I don't remember what uh, I think we had a finished re- draft by the time we started that one, and then little things just got changed. Um, but while we were, the best man was in like April of 2011 yeah. and during rehearsals, I found out that I got into fringe that summer. Right. So I was writing the new play while rehearsing the previous one. Mm-hmm. And then I do remember having a table read and then like a week later having a new draft. So that all happened very, very quickly mm, because okay. we were on a breakneck schedule yeah, yeah. and I was also like finishing school that year or I was doing a, I was doing like a year long Dickens project or something sure. while writing two plays, and mm. and my niece was born that Christmas, and like it was just a really okay, I was yeah. so wonderfully busy, and <laughs> I was that was the thinnest I ever was too, so it was just yeah, a really yeah. happy time. Yeah, and um and so that one all worked rather quickly, while well as with um with we say such terrible things, I think I had more time because I just produced it on my own schedule. And then Heart of the Storm was the same, so I don't know. Like I, I know that I, I would book the, the theater, but well in advance, yeah. and so they. It's probably, yeah, if we have a table read, you'll probably get the next draft within a week, if not mm. two weeks. Because mm. um, I usually I usually book the theater to make sure that I finish everything at a certain time. That's a good plan. I'm not really good at self-guiding. Well, my, no, deadlines yeah. are.
0: Super, I wrote a play for eight years, so wow. I, wrote, I know about. I know. Until I finally said, "Well, the only way I'm going to finish this is if I like perform it." Right. So, yeah. You know, you there's it's really can be hard to like.
1: Oh no, it's get really your head hard. down and yeah. do that.
0: Uh, for me, I find that when I'm when I'm writing uh, between draft and so there's like I first off I need like at least four weeks between draft and second before I tackle the second draft. Okay. Because if I look at it too soon, I'm gonna you're be, like you're not reading
1: it anymore. No, yeah. but
0: also I'm gonna like. I'm too close to it. Right. And I can't tear it apart in the way that I need to. Right. Um, but then I need some more time before I have some actors read it just because I need to fortify myself. Yeah. Like, underst- you know, I need to be ready for it. How many have you written though? Um, so I almost always have, so plays that are finished or plays that are in progress? Whatever, whatever you consider your number. So I've got like, I have like maybe five plays in various stages of, okay. of writtenness. Okay. Um, and I've had like, three that i've had people read
1: i only ask because i used to feel that way about the need to like fortify yourself Mm. but i don't feel that way anymore Mm. i and i don't know i i feel fine about it i don't walk in like fuck you guys i wrote a play i just just know i
0: need need distance mm. between fortify is probably the wrong the wrong uh way to put it but i need distance like i can't finish it and then give it to people to read together right because i'm still too close to it interesting and I need I need some distance to be able to kill my baby.
1: Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I wonder if that I haven't felt that way in a long time. Mm. And maybe it's just because I haven't written anything that's particularly personal to mm. me in a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's my problem. But
0: well, I mean, everybody's different, right? Everybody's Yeah, different. I so, suppose. Uh, like I need to. I, I also I never right think of, of it does. as finished, right? right, right I find
1: right. that the, well, usually the reason why you are worried about criticism is because then it means you have to work on it more. Mm. And the thing about writing writing in general and writing plays in particular is like you just want it to be done. Yeah. So if people don't tell you it's perfect, then that means it's not done, and that means you have to work on it. It's like please tell me it's perfect so that I can do something
0: else. Oh no, no, I don't, I don't see the thing is, and that was always it took me years to figure out why I had so much trouble with my first drafts, right? Because. I wanted them to be perfect. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I hadn't realized yet that the only purpose of the first draft is to be finished.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't even have to be good. Oh, I think that's the purpose of, like, the seventh draft. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I've learned yeah. to... I mean, I, when I first started writing... With my first play, I was so stressed out about getting it right that I ended up in the hospital. Like, mm, I, was so, I was so stressed out. Right. I wasn't sleeping for days. And I oh was, like, God. crying day and night. And just, you know, really, really melodramatic stuff. Mm-hmm. Because because people had read my first draft and said, it's really good. And the, um, because they said it was really good and that it, you know, we would need to polish it up and we would be ready for production. And that scared me more than if they'd hated it because I was like, Oh my God, I have to get this right. Or I'm throwing everything away. I mean, I was really, I was really new to all this, you know, and I was, um, I was turning 30 at the time. I think it, that was just, I was just very vulnerable about the decade change or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
0: It's hard. Like the, 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 Writing and getting from page to performance mm-hmm. is a bit of a, it can be difficult for the, for the writer in terms of like getting to the point where you are ready to have it read. And,
1: and yeah. Or, or being open to the fact that it's always going to look different than the way you wrote it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. also, um, I mean, I kind of miss feeling that way. I, I remember when we, we did a fundraiser for my first play and we, part of the fundraiser was, you know, performances in a cabaret and whatever, but it also involved a reading of like two pages from the play. And so it was the first time it was going to be performed. Oh no. Cause we'd done a public reading as well. We'd done a workshop years before, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, I remember for that workshop and I remember for this fundraiser, just having people read portions of it. I was practically throwing up mm. in the bathroom beforehand yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I, hadn't had stage fright as an actor in a very, mm. very long time. And I kind of miss, I kind of miss being that scared. I don't get that scared anymore.
0: Well, Um, you know, one thing that I found was like, write something that's really personal and then perform it yourself. And then, Oh, I guess so. Yeah. And then you like, I wrote last summer, I performed, uh, last summer, summer before I performed my first solo show, which was not autobiographical, but there were a lot of elements of myself and I was going to vomit that whole day. Interesting.
1: I mean, a lot of it is also just because I've learned to trust the people that I work with Mm -hmm. and I've worked with really, really great people. So, Usually by the time we get to opening night, we are ready. And so I'm not that scared because we are prepared. Mm. And if people don't like it, well, I'll just write something sure. else, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I also had a really good, I had the good experience of having two play my first two plays in the same year. And one of them was a huge success. Right. And the second one was a huge bomb. Oh, and geez,
0: okay. So that's a good, that's a good balance. It was a
1: very, very good balance because you. Because you know having a huge success didn't make me a wealthy man and having a huge bomb didn't make me a laughing stock in this town so you know it's kind of the benefit of the fact that Toronto theater has a tendency to fly under the general radar it's like no one really cares yeah. if you're successful and so they don't care if you fail
0: also I mean it, it, very few are the are the plays that we remember as bombs or absolutely like, yeah we have short memories yeah uh, it's really only like the big like only the Mervishes have to worry about a huge bomb. Well, yeah,
1: because they, I mean, well, uh, I lost a lot of money on that play too. But, but, but and a lot of people liked it, and I had a wonderful casting crew, in mm-hmm. case they're listening and sure. think that I'm insulting anybody. But, um, but, but the having. Thing is that
0: nobody's talking about that play. Right. The way they are talking about when the Mervishes did Lord of the Rings. Sure. Right? Right. right so right. it's like, it's not like, it's not like, um, people will remember that play that didn't do well for years to come.
1: Right. But even if they did, the thing is to just get on with the next thing. And I remember calling my mom uh, (laughs) after the second play, it was called operation impervious at the Toronto firm fringe festival. And I said, you know, it's, it hasn't done well. Like I've lost a lot of money and it's one of those things where it's like, there are a good amount of people who really liked it, but enough of the people didn't like it, that that was sort of the, you know, you, you can tell when you go out on stage, and you're not connecting sure when your show's not working and that's really hard when you're trying to be funny and I was actually so stressed out about it that I was actually blacking out on stage so I wouldn't remember my performances when I'd walk off stage at the end Mm -hmm. and I found out later that I'd been lip syncing everyone's lines in the play and I didn't know I was doing it because I was I was in like a a PTSD kind of state yeah 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 Um, so I said to my mom that you know this was happening and it wasn't going well and you know now magazine said i have no talent and uh you know all this stuff and uh and she said you know and she also told me she didn't like it um (laughs) but she says you know no one's ever gonna accuse you of being lazy so Mm. just finish and then move on to the next thing because that's always what you're gonna do and i i stressed out a lot less after that Mm. yeah i mean it was it was a tough week also Fringe is really hard when you succeed, let alone when you fail, because it's just this really hot week in July and you're working constantly and you're, you're, you're taping things to polls when you're not performing a play and handing out postcards to people who don't Mm -hmm. want another goddamn postcard. And, you know, it's just, it's a really hard week. And then I was, it was my birthday that week too. And it was just like, I'm telling all these sad stories on the show, but, but uh, it was so, it was such a great learning experience Uh. for me. Uh, And also just learning not to take things too personally. I put the same amount of effort into both plays. It sure. just, sometimes it just happens that you, you hit with people and yeah. you don't with others and you can't, you can't always predict it. You yeah. can't always tell. I had no, I mean, when we did the best man, we sold out every night for five, five for a whole week. It was like yeah. five performances at the now long gone bread and circus, which yeah. told us they'd never had a show do that mm. well before. And um, it was a good show. It was funny. And you know, I liked it, but I don't, other than the fact that it took place at a wedding, I can't really tell you. I know why it really worked for sure. people, but it just had a good buzz. You yeah.
0: Know? It's funny because, I mean, Fringe is great if your show is doing well. Mm-hmm. But if your show is not, you, it's still really to, hard, yeah. you still have to get up and try to get those bums in the sea. I mean, you're swimming you
1: know? upstream whether you do well or not. It's, yeah, it's just yeah, a really, yeah. And I would love to do it again just because I feel like there are a lot of things I did wrong that I learned from.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I'd be curious to see if I could improve it. But so far, I have not gotten back in.
0: I'm curious what you think you did wrong.
1: Um. Well, I probably didn't budget correctly. Mm -hmm. I budgeted the way I normally budget for an indie play, and it's a different ball game at Fringe. Um, I didn't take advantage of things like word of mouth tickets or all that stuff. You know, papering the house more. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It was a big, ambitious play. You know, it it was uh it was a it was a farcical comedy, and I I just wasn't prepared for the amount of competition you have in that festival, Mm -hmm. and. You know, cuz in general we got treated well. I I mean, despite the fact that the show didn't do well, we got a bad review, but it was the only review we got. It's not right, like there yeah, were yeah, like yeah. myriad a, a, a Mooney on Theater actually reviewed us as well, but they came to the last show. So they liked it, but it, you know, it couldn't help at that yeah. point. But um you know, I wasn't I, people weren't throwing tomatoes at me or anything sure. like that and you know, it was just um and I I I think also if I do it again, I would be better prepared for the physical duress of just Doing that many shows in a week mm-hmm. in that much heat—I mean, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the—it's usually the worst week in summer that we but did it's that also, festival.
0: It's also, you know, not just doing the shows, but like you are on, like you are go, 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 go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and you're always promoting it, right? You're yeah. always like, I, w- I would always go to all the back when it was the the tent was still over at Honest Ed's. I would, yeah. always, I was always there all the time handing postcards, and I would go to all the other theaters to hand out postcards. And I'm, just...
0: I'm not convinced that the fringe tent is the place to flyer though. I haven't been for quite some time because I feel like you're just flattering other artists. Yeah, probably there. You're probably right. And, yeah. but you know, the lines are, are the place, you know, I always watch, I, I wish I could be generals generals Who's like a nonstop promo machine. Right. And just like hits every line and like, just like, he seems to thrive on that kind of promotion. Right. I've seen him not just in Toronto, but in like Winnipeg. and
1: Edmonton. I also like, I would probably also coordinate better in terms of like, more than just me going out there to hand stuff oh, out, you shit. know, because yeah, like you can, then it, has it wasn't to be something we really yeah. prepared for properly yeah. when yeah. I did the show. So there's just a lot of yeah. little things that I feel could add up to, yeah. to more if I did it again.
0: One of the things that's interesting is, is, is Mooney now uh tries to make, well, no, they have successfully for the past few years reviewed every show in mm. the Fringe by the end of the first weekend.
1: Yeah. They recruit people. That is yeah. massive. Yeah. They're lovely. I mean, yeah. I, um, sometimes I mm -hmm, take issue with the quality of writing of some of their authors, which I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for, Uh, but um, they are super enthusiastic. I mean, they all obviously show up prepared to love the show. Mm -hmm. And so if they don't, that's on you. You know what I mean? Like I, I I do. I I like them very, very much. Um, uh, I produced a play called Hazel last year that my friend, Michael Stittle wrote uh, and uh, Mooney came out to review that and we got a really, really great review and it wasn't particularly favorable. She, you know, she, she had a lot of issues with the play and um, Michael loved the review and he really appreciated it because it was, it was so thoughtful and well-written and she took the time to really consider what the play was about Mm -hmm. and what it was going for. Um, And and it, it felt like a compliment even though it wasn't a favorable review. So, you know, and also Mike's a good sport about, you know, taking criticism basically her review is so well written that it was obvious that we were getting reviewed by somebody who was qualified to,
0: you know, to talk about what she's always how you take a review is really an important.
1: Yeah. Also a learning process for me too. Yeah.
0: But I mean at fringe, it's like fringe is the time when I'll read the review. Yeah. Like, because if I'm in the show, Mm -hmm. I need to know what that says. Interesting. Because if I'm in that show and I'm promoting the show, I got to know what the show says Uh, when I'm flyering, I can say, Money, money oh this is, my is where server. my friends come in yeah. handy i
1: don't read anything until the play is over mm. and particularly if i'm performing in my own play i mm. do not read the reviews because that's that was also a mistake that i made on operation impervious although i have to say before the review even came out i remember going out on stage on opening night and realizing it wasn't working mm. and that it was just a long week after that but yeah and the review just sort of confirmed that but um I don't want it in my headspace. And that's mm-hmm. not just a bad review. I don't want a good review in my headspace either while I'm performing. It's, it's, it's too distracting. So what I actually, when we did, um, when I did Wait, We Say Such Terrible Things, which was, uh it was a night of two one-act plays yeah. called Brain Food. And my friend Michael Siddle wrote the other show. Um, I had my friends, I said, look at this review and tell me if there's a good pull line from it that I can put on the poster. Uh-huh. And I And they would give me one and I would put that on the poster. Mm-hmm. And then I read them. I actually read them at the closing night party and there were a lot of, you know, favorable ones and Mm. criticisms, whatever. And I was fine with them. It was not a problem for me at all, but I, I I just didn't want any of that in my headspace. And I tell my casts also, once we open, like we, we will get, someone will review us. We'll get a blog somewhere. If not an actual publication, if you want to read them, it's up to you, but please don't talk about it. Don't share it with anybody. I personally don't want to hear about it. And maybe other people don't as well. It's
0: interesting. Having, having done a fringe tour, and, uh, you know, in, in, you know, Montreal, Montreal, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton, mm-hmm. the learning how to take all of the reviews, yeah, whether they're good, mediocre, or bad, and just to be able to how to deal with it while still knowing that you need this information right. because you want to be able to walk up to people and say, CBC gave well, us, yeah. like, you know, get, said this, you know, that sort of thing. And so we would, like, very carefully, all of us together, like... And, you know, it was not a solo show, so we had a cast that was like, ah, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, right, right. They love Disney Winnipeg. You know, like, right. being able to do all that stuff and to be able to, like, bolster each other was really important. But Well, yeah, but,
1: I mean, it's something you should definitely never take personally. No. I, I approach the, the 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 status of reviews from a producer's point of view, which mm-hmm. is that, like, this is either going to help me sell it or it's not. So, if it's a bad review, I, I don't take it to heart. It just means I can't use it to help sell the show. Uh, it depends because depends on
0: whether there's a good pull quote in there or not.
1: Well, there can be. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But but that's what I mean. And in yeah. some cases, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a review doesn't have a good pull quote in it, and no. it's a bad review in sure. your panned. And it's just like this. There's no point in losing sleep over it. I mean, I've worked with actors who really do take reviews very personally, mm-hmm. and I just don't know how they've been doing this so long. And I don't know, maybe it, con- it contributes to their vulnerability on stage maybe. or something that they're like this. I don't want to be super mm-hmm. critical of the way other people see things, but I remember going into performance one night of a show I was in, and a guy said uh, he was just in a really bad mood, and I said, what happened? And he goes, "It's just it really upsets me when a review, review comes out and I'm not mentioned in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, one of my my work is not mentioned. And yeah. I thought, oh, my God, it never occurred to me to care. Mm, um, yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. mean to be so proud of that, but, like, it just never occurred. I mean, I was the lead in Hairspray, the musical, and I did not get mentioned. Playing Edna Turnblad, I got yeah. a passable, like, so-and-so's having fun playing Edna Turnblad. But Blah, Blah, Blah is great as everybody yeah. else. And, like, I didn't... I guess I noticed it, but I didn't take it personally. I, I don't know, it just... I
0: don't know if you can, like... The reviewer, especially if it's print, then they have a finite amount of space. Yeah. Or if it's if it's Mooney on theater reviewing all of the shows for the Fringe before the first weekend, nobody's got time for a long review.
1: I think it's also just that as an actor, I enjoy it. I enjoy doing it a lot mm. more, I think, than people enjoy watching me. And I don't mean that yeah, like yeah. so self-effacingly, but I don't think that I. I just don't think that I turn heads in that way as a mm. performer. I think I'm serviceable yeah. and skilled and what have you, but I'm not uh, I'm not usually a showstopper. And I, I realize this also because my writing gets a different reaction from people. It's way different mm. from what my acting gets. Mm. It's and- interesting
0: because I know that for me, like if I'm involved in a show and somebody else is getting like – the pointed out, mm-hmm. I'm fucking so happy for them.
1: Absolutely, like, yeah, because yeah. I want them to be happy for me when it happens to me, because, yeah. you know, we all have our day, Oh sure, and yeah. it, we can't have it every time, and sometimes you are the focus, and other times you are not. Absolutely. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, you should always be happy for people when good things sure. happen to them, because they're gonna have yeah. their crappy days, too. Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: Bill, are you on social media at all? Are you on Twitter? I am, you yeah, you
1: can find media? me on Twitter, at Oopair77, um, and... You can find my blog at myoldaddiction.com where I review movies. Uh-huh. And then I have a podcast called Bad Gay Movies, Bitchy Gay Men, which you can find on iTunes. And I also have a personal podcast that I do going through my Criterion collection. Uh-huh. And it's sort of my journey through movies called My Criterion. So people can find me there too. Nice. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So yeah, well, I, have, so I have a few. Yeah. That's good. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank you so much. My
1: pleasure. It was absolutely my pleasure to do this. Thank you.